Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I'm particularly pleased today to be live from upstate New York. Yes, I got an airplane and did a little travel in quarantine, and it is possible. Uh, So I am very excited to introduce my first caller, and also in the Northeast, Meadow from Connecticut. Meadow, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks, Molly. Um, I really enjoy all of your LinkedIn uh, podcasts or 90-second clips, Um, but I have a question for you, or maybe it's a scenario that's sort of the antithesis of saying it skillfully. Um, I've had a couple situations where I've gotten the silent treatment and I'm not quite sure how to address that. And it's happened at work and, you know, especially through email where people are just not responding to questions. And, you know, I have clients that I need to respond to and waiting for my colleagues to give me their, you know, my dependent responses from them so I can uh, get back to clients but also at home, you know, when when you have a conversation and you're met with, you know, radio silence, what, what would you recommend or suggest in a situation like that, either at work or at home? Wow, this is so common. A lot of people are nodding their heads, and it can be very hurtful as well, so I appreciate that. Uh, well, let's take them separately because I do think there's um, a different dynamic uh, let's start with a work one. Um, how how have you handled it in the past? So when I'm not getting responses, I do a follow-up email and ask if maybe perhaps they didn't receive my request and that the client is expecting to hear back from me. And if that goes unresponded to, then I schedule a meeting. And oftentimes I then get you know, an acknowledgement or a response back about, you know, the initial inquiry. But it it's time spent and it's inefficient and the client suffers. So I'm just wondering if you have a way to resolve it in a better um, result. Yeah, I, I hear you. And it's one of those, like, it's just not right. So why aren't people doing what's right? So how do you feel when all this is going on? Is it like super annoying to you? Or are you like, oh, here we go again? Tell me a little bit about your own state. So when it happens repeatedly with the same individual, it's just, here we go again. Um, but if it's the first time for, you know, a, a non-repeat offender, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, they're as busy as I am and hadn't seen it or just needed to be prompted. Those I don't mind. But the ones that are chronic offenders, that upsets me. Um, I, I had a conversation with this one particular chronic offender yesterday because I had to schedule a call, and I and I actually told him how it made me feel and that I needed better communication. So I'm not sure if that's going to help, but I'm hoping that you know if, if there's more tactics like that that you can offer me that I can try to use if it 
continues. Yeah, perfect. Okay, good for you. Let's go with the chronic offender because that is the tough one. I think that the, when you're frustrated, and I get it, it's totally legit to the extent that you really think that that is useful to be annoyed with someone. You could intentionally be annoyed. That's totally valid. Oftentimes, that prevents us from actually being who we want to be, and it doesn't land well for the person. So I, I offer to, to really exhale the frustration, even though it's completely grounded. Inhale this compassion, this higher order self is like, okay, I can do this. And let's be clear, other people don't control how you feel. And the empowerment I want to offer for everyone is that stuff happens around us to the extent that you can stay centered and grounded, you're serving you. And that's the most important thing. We can't control how other people respond. So let that go. I know we want them to respond in a certain way, but if they don't, they don't. And let's not you know, make it worse because by making ourselves feel bad first and foremost, right? You're doing what you can do. You're doing the right thing. You feel awesome about that, period, end of story. Now, with this person, and I think the relationship piece is just saying, hey, you know, this has been going on. You know, you're, you're like, you're just like, I'm kind of at wit's end. I think you're a good person. You know, whatever you can acknowledge the person for, I know I don't know what's going on for you. You're driving me crazy, you know, and and I want to I want to ha- I want to think you're like the most awesome teammate ever and I want to be the most awesome teammate for you. So you can think about think of your high dream, your best wish for this. And put it out to the person. Pause. And it just is such a different approach. People might be well, So yeah, I said this is the deal, right? What what am I not doing? What can I do? And and I they may you. just look at you say, "You know what? Meadow, there's nothing you can do." Okay. Or they might say, you know what? I'm being a jerk. (laughs) People know what's going on. If you just hold that without making them a bad human being, showing compassion for their stuff that they may not know, see what comes up. So let me pause there. Does that seem like a different approach that might get a better outcome? Yes, I think, you know, if if I address this directly and not emotionally and Truthfully, you know, maybe I could be more skillful in what I'm saying to that person when we speak and help them understand, you know, A, how I feel, B, how I want to treat them and how I want to be treated so that we can both be on the same page. So I think, you know, acknowledging these things are, are probably beneficial. I'll, I'll, I'll try that next time. Okay. Before we get to the personal one, I feel and I get this environment People are working from home. I can tell you're very conscientious. You want to do the right thing. Um, are you feeling a little tired? Are you feeling a little run down? Oh, of course. I think we all are. So I'm trying to cut people slack in that regard. And we're working more hours remotely than if we, and more effectively and efficiently than if we were sitting at our desks. So, yeah. 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 I appreciate your sharing that. And I just, I want to just lean into the fact that everyone needs to give themselves permission to get what you need to. It's really hard to be extra patient and super skillful if we're not getting some of the rest and self-care. And that's not an optional thing. I mean, if, if anything at all, folks have to really think about what do I really need? And I need to make sure that I get it because that's going to help you serve um, yourself first and then others. And I, and I just want to offer for folks not to feel bad. If you need to work out in the middle of the day, 
I have some folks I'm working with starting some meditation. There are all sorts of ways and things um, that you can help boost your own resilience. And, and, I, and I've posted this before. You know, I know it's a really tough time. It doesn't mean we have to be unhappy, right? How can we still be happy and stay light, even though the state of the world isn't where we want it to be? And for those who can do that, it's a real, you're a real leader for other folks who are really having a hard time. Okay, so I just want to offer that um, trying to do, and it may be something little, maybe playing with your pet for a bit. There may be a certain kind of music. Don't think that any, any of that is off limits. Whatever you need to do to feel like, you know, you can kind of step up and, and, and make be your best that day is totally worth it. Okay, so let's go on the home thing. So on the home thing, um, do you, is this something that happens a lot. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how it might show up in the home setting. So it is my spouse, and it is a tactic that has been employed over time, um, over several decades. It's it's really waned, so that it's not as as present as it as it has been in the past, and our, our relationship has matured. But it happened to me over the weekend. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I deal with this? Do I just let the silence continue? And typically it's, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, and then the discussion crops up like it never happened. And then when everybody's calm and, you know, we can have a conversation about it, we talk about it. Well, this one, this one in, instance went on for several hours. You know, we were in a car together, we got home, then lunch happened in silence. Um, but later in the in the evening, we we had a conversation about it. But I had to bring it up, um, and it was uh, I'll mark it all to, you know, I was removing all of my personal items from my office, and it was hard for me. But there was miscommunication, and you know he he was under the impression that one thing was happening when that was not in fact true. We didn't receive some text messages. So we work through it, but in the moment, I just need some kind of plan. What do I do? Yeah, great. This is fantastic. And kudos to you folks to sit down and work it through. So when you're in a time of peace is the best time to think about, um, and this is the, the question, you know, how do we want to be when times get tough? And so this is something that's happened before. It's not this huge thing, of course, but if we can, you know, erase this from um, a part of your relationship, that sounds like that would be a really positive thing. So I think taking this through and saying, hey, you know, we've grown so much as a couple. And for husbands and wives, there's a couple. The third entity is a couple. And it has its own creativity and its own intelligence. You're part of the same couple, but you have a very different experience of it. So this ability to, to grow each individual and the couple is really um, important opportunity right for a fulfilling relationship so you know just me like so i'm so glad we talked about this i'll call your spouse joe joe and i'm really grateful that we were able to talk about it i have some anxiety because i as as it will be normal it will come up again so just start to be transparent like i'm i i want to and i know that i'm part of the problem in this because it's a two-person relationship so i own that can we talk about when something like that happens in the future, how are we going to handle it? So that's just putting out this wish and this intention. 
and if you were kind of asking for permission, can we come up with a way? Because it's the two of us. We don't really just want one person. We want both of us. Right. Okay. And then, and then you know, it, it may just be, and again, uh, presuming it's clear how when it's a silent treatment, how it makes you feel. I mean, neither spouse wants the other person to be miserable. I mean, that's just not what people want. Um, and that's, you know, that's not how we love each other. Um, and so, you know, you can offer, here's what would be, here's what I think I need. If, can, can you do this? And, and the same thing, what do you think you need? And it's, I'm not here to solve it for you, but I think it's that back and forth. And I know this sounds kind of crazy, but in these time, tough times, sometimes if you have a symbol or a sound or some face or something, so you don't actually have to say it, that can be very effective. I worked that through with teams. So there may be some kind of signal, right, that shows that we're going there that kind of like, okay, we have to go to plan B now. Because sometimes it's not as easy to actually say it, right? So you can make some crazy sound or, I don't know, it could be if you're home, you put on some kind of crazy hat or put a bag on your hat. You know, I'm not, anything like that. So what you're doing with that is you add a little bit of lightness to a kind of tense situation. And you remember, you know, we love each other. This is how loving people support each other. So I'll just pause for a moment. How is that landing for you? So you've reminded me of something that we used to do when we were starting to get mad at each other. We had a special, you know, phrase that we'd say with a lisp, and it made each other laugh. So, yeah, we haven't used that in a while, so maybe that needs to come back out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I love that. I love that. Uh, This has been a great chat. Do you have uh, any other questions? No, I appreciate your your feedback, and I love your program, so keep it up. Yeah, well, I'm, pre- I'm grateful for your support, and I will ask from our little chat, do you have a particular top takeaway? So I think just making sure that I address the, the matter in a calm environment afterwards can help me avoid them from happening in, in the future, um, and, and being truthful about it and, and making sure that people are aware of my needs too. So I just, you know, be compassionate and understanding and give myself space and permission and allow the same of others. Good for you. I love it. Uh, you know how to reach me. If I can be of more help, I am happy to. And I thank you, Meadow, for being part of the solution. Thank you, Molly. Take good care. Okay, before my next caller, a couple of reminders. If you're listening live and you have a question or a sensitive situation you'd like to talk through, I invite you to call me at 866-472-5790 or internationally, you can call Collect at country code 1-480-398-3352. And as always, there's more ways to help folks say it skillfully on my site, say it's com. I think we have over 50 videos now. Okay, so I am very excited now to introduce Eric from the New York City area. Eric, thanks for joining me on the show. Hi, Molly. Great to be here. Okay. I enjoyed the so, last conversation. The ISAP oh. is a major tactic. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm glad that you were able to listen in. What, uh, what topic is on top of mind for you? I've been thinking um, of how to have human conversations at work, and of course, that is your—that's everything you do. 
and I'm thinking of taking that back into a business perspective with respect to the events surrounding George Floyd and, and COVID even, as we were working from home and working in different scenarios all around. So, for example, if it's, if it's important to me as a company to go out and say life is what matters to me, then as a slogan, okay, as a meme, okay, but still as a company, I, I wouldn't want to go out and even just uh, go too hard with the sayings or even donations without putting it through my regular business thought, which is it will, it will stop at just a, a, um, a meme if I haven't run it through the ringer of any other thing that I think of. And that may seem counterintuitive when I say, how can you be human and put it in the process machine? But I think that's exactly what we need to do. And I uh, like that to taking your um, uh, Facebook voice and crossing a footbridge <laughs> of stones and ropes over to your LinkedIn voice. You know. I love this. I love how you're putting this out in the universe. And um, the, there's a lot you know, of, of conversations that have to happen to help people get to understanding and for people to feel heard. Um, I, you know, so I, I want to hear more when you think about this, because I'm all about the ability to be human at work. And people are like, what do you mean? I said, yeah, I don't think people can be who they really are and say what needs to be said. Hence the whole Say It Skillfully program. So what, what are you seeing that people are not handling so well, um, as well as handling well? You know, where do you think they're tripping up? What, what can we, what kind of words can I help folks have to, to even put this out there? I mean, do workplaces think that they are at work and do you think they don't know it? I mean, you know, say more. Yeah, it's, we've come from a space where, uh, well, two things. The, the idea of holding these kind of conversations at work is new because if you look at what happens in a lot of recruiting, a major uh, headline given in, in a lot of posts is bring your whole self to work. We were not saying that even three years ago. And so major companies are saying, bring your whole self. It started with the unspoken, bring your dog to work. But, I mean, God bless the dog, but I'd rather bring my whole self to work if I have a choice. <laughs> and, and once you bring your whole self, and now you get, you're able to, to transact, I think, and to do business on a much uh, deeper level and to bring all the expertise because you don't hesitate when you have good ideas. You don't hesitate when you have conflict. And so that's what we need, we need to do. We need to clear the space for proper, tough discussions. And so that's what I'm looking for. for when, I, when I see a company that does go out by, by saying, I don't think we have the language yet, I mean, I, each time I've looked at, and I've done a specific look with not naming any companies, at, at the ones who've come out and say, we stand for this. I see the t-shirt. I see uh, perhaps some call for a diversity in a position, and like specifically a, a director of source. But I don't see, here's how we've thought of this over the past 15 years, which, which means you have a major entity acting upon a reflex and dedicating resources and making a public position. Now, if you're a PR person, you would call that perhaps a recipe, recipe for near disaster. And some have run into a little bit of drama with that because they'll make the, the statement and then people will go looking behind the curtain to say, wow, this is what you look like for the past 15 years. And so it, and it would help you 
move from just a representation thought, as in these are the people here, to, oh, wow, I trust that company for what they say. Okay, I love this. So you're an employee in a company like this, and it's great, right, to have, I mean, to have the right reflex, which is we want to be better. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I'm hearing you say is folks aren't necessarily um, emotionally or intellectually honest about how we have been in owning that, perhaps, as part of the, and, I, and I've posted on this, hey, we're all part of this problem, right? Molly's been a part of how we got to this uh, situation, and I've got to own that. Everyone's got to own it. And it sounds like for to to own up to the truth and that we weren't who we needed to be is a really important clearing that has to happen to have the credibility to be like, okay, bring your whole self to work. <laughs> is that's that what I mean? Credit. Do people trust when you say bring your whole self to work? And I would venture that not everyone trusts it when, when they see it. Like, can I bring my whole self to work or is it okay for Molly to bring her whole self to work? <laughs> and so you're, you're exactly right. And when, if we were to say emotionally, you know, uh, not honest, I think it's more of a, it's, a lot of it is waiting, fully aware. I, I don't diminish that at all. But I think there's a huge part in the, in the, in the corporate conversation that's just unwitting in the sense of, not even, not even considering that. Oh, yeah, we've gone out here and we've we've said this with respect to George Floyd. But if you just keep your business mind on, you don't you don't find making major announcements like that that don't have the underpinning of strategy, thought, and history. And so the reflex is proper, but I, but you want to be sure that you're you're either ready to respond to you know, inquiry, you know, and, and ready to respond to just basic questions. And that's what I found that we're not as ready. We can make the T-shirt a lot faster than we can make a case for, here's what we thought over the past 15 years. Here's what we think for the next 15. Here's the budget we put to that, you know. So I'm hearing at a leadership level an awareness of what I would call the work, doing the work yeah. here and really unpacking this. And you know, to the say it skillfully concept, the, the whole point there is that we can't get to this accurate shared reality if we're not really hearing all the voices in the system, um, including yeah. some of those unpopular ones. And so perhaps an, an opportunity for folks who are in these situations, which is let's first applaud the positive reflex to do the right thing, but to ask the questions and say, are we all, are we as a group aligned on how we got here and what's happened because that is a part of kind of when you think about what we want to quote unquote fix, right? It's like, well, uh-huh. where it's broken, you know? And I, I think there can be a lot of assumption there. So the yeah, ability for, yeah, for people to say, and, and not, not challenge per se, but in the spirit of, gosh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud that the organization wants to do right we can't go from zero to 60. <laughs> you know, we, we really want to accelerate the right way. And, you know, for, for folks and organizations, you know, do you think that, do you think that they feel that they can even put that out there? Uh, I'm mainly talking to the leadership because the leadership has to make the context for people to put it out there. And so when I mentioned the companies are getting challenged, yeah, they're getting challenged by the loudest voices, 
that I'm not going to call them right or wrong. If, if they're saying life is valuable, they're absolutely right. But if they're just a, a random attack without any focus from my side either, then that's what I've opened myself up to as a company. And so what, you, what I'm talking about is creating the space for you to, to make a, a human approach in this company. For example, I look at it, and the problem we have today is more difficult because the solution is right in front of us, <laughs> and we know it. So what, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's sort of like we're standing in front of Mount Everest in flip-flops. You know, How do you get to the top? You climb it. Uh, yeah, that, that is the solution, and we know that. And we know that if, if people were to just treat each other as they would be treated, golden rule, then would we be in this situation? No, but that's, that's just humanity. It's mankind. So you don't want to be Pollyanna about this. But you do want to say, okay, if the solution that we see is, is not readily accessible, what kind of process can I put in place that people will trust? You know, some companies people do look at and just implicitly trust what they do, what they say, and they didn't even have to put out a statement on, on on George Floyd or anyone like that. And that that's what the victory would be. When your your reflex is what's what's reflex for other people is identity for you. And there are companies that are perceived and, and felt that way just because they they do real things. Well, you're getting to the core, right, of the culture of a company. And you know, obviously this strikes a chord with me because I am about the people first, the purpose driven uh, which at times people have thought is counter to profits, which we know it isn't. So, Eric, what would you, what would you wish? Like, what would you like people listening, whether they're at the top of their company or people that are in the company, share some thoughts on what people can do to be more part of the solution? One thing, which is don't see like erase the gap between corporation and person. And we've done that almost by iterations on the 14th Amendment that has made the company a person, and people laugh at that. And they say, well, a company's not a person, but if you think about it, when we accord all this legal persona to a corporation, then it involves the company in humanity by default. And so I'm not even mad that it's been taken advantage of. I'm saying, okay, now it just creates a greater responsibility. And so as an employee, as a leader, if, if there's no gap between a company that has people that work for it and a company that sells to people, then there's no way for us to avoid reorienting the way we think, which is the person comes first. Uh, it's the first lens. It's the very first lens. And so if you were to take any one of your business processes or any one of your relationships and say, how do I see this? If I were to take this in terms of what's good or bad for the person, what's good or bad for people, then I, I guarantee that that's not antithetical to anything you're doing business-wise. And if the, the case in point for that is people who are being forced now by boycott to do certain things. Okay, the, the boycott is people saying this is bad for people. And so when I get ahead of that and just get into a regular human conversation, and so for all of us to be a little more specific on your point, think about what, is, what does my job do? How does my job affect, you know, persons? How does it make people feel? What does it make people do? And then you can take that farther up to the uh, leadership level as well because that's what sets the tone. 
and causes people to behave either in accord with what's good for people or to just buy the party line because there is the power there and just say, well, this may not be the best for, for what I see coming through that the lens of the person, but I want to keep my job. And so that's why I say today I'm talking to the leaders to create the space. And it's not a Pollyanna space because then I would, I, it's not a touchy-feely thing as people would think because I say, well, you just spent money that wasn't allocated to put out a meme and print T-shirts. If we want to talk business and touchy-feely, then <laughs> that wouldn't be my first way to open my business up to criticism. That it, now, for people who do that, and that's seen as a natural response according to who they are, that's one thing. But otherwise, you don't want to... The, the, the risk of that kind of reflex that's not backed by identity or backed by people who don't, who don't even have the identity, who just say, look, we haven't had these conversations, and we're going to come out to the public, then, and, then, and that's what we're going to do, then that's what will be accepted as honesty. There's no, it's never too late to take an honest approach to business. Yeah, I appreciate your putting that out there. I think folks may think that they are, and they are in some way, but perhaps could be doing so more fully. And I think that's a key opportunity for everyone to realize, hey, we're part of the problem. If we don't speak up, if we don't think our organization is being the best it can be, um, and I hope with a little bit of help being more skillful about that because at the end of the day, we just want organizations to be, you know, something we're really proud to be a part of because they really are a reflection of us as individuals. It's fantastic. Um, We could talk a lot about this. I appreciate your joining. You know, I I have said, you know, myself and others uh, and this whole getting to uh, social justice to racial equity we're all part of the problem. So I might ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing how, as you've reflected, how might you have been the part of the problem in the past? Um, I can see what you're doing now to be part of the solution, but I'm curious your thoughts. By not raising the flat conversation, you know what? This doesn't seem right to me. And because in, in the early stages of a career, you think so much more is at stake but you should just, I should have been willing to just risk a little more on a real conversation because, number one, there's the, the moral authority to do so. And number two, the world doesn't end when you get fired from a job or when you leave a job or when you find a place is not for you. And so the, where I've been a part of the problem is once, once sensing the uh, opportunity going with what I thought was, you know, the Mount Everest of untouchable things, and I'm standing there wearing flip-flops. But in fact, you know, when you lay a conversation flatly and respectfully to people, not only are we obliged to answer, because now the onus is on me, it, it, it becomes less antagonistic, even when the, the subject is not easy. And so I just say, you know, if you're if you're earlier in, in the career, just have the conversation respectfully, just like what you've just done with uh, uh, the first caller, which is, you know what, this isn't right. <laughs> I don't need fancy language. I, I sent three emails. There's no response. You know, let me know what's going on here. If it can't I be fixed, it. like like you said, uh, you know, I won't 
I won't cry tonight because I've walked out of here at least knowing, okay, now I know, you know. Yeah, this is great. I applaud the work uh, that you've done on yourself and the way you're helping those fortunate to be around you to be better. Obviously, this is a topic I'm passionate about learning more and more about, and so we'll stay in touch. Um, You know how to reach me, and um, Erica, thank you for joining me and being part of the solution. We need you. Most definitely. I thank you so much, Molly, and I ran this thought through a few words on LinkedIn in an article called On Being a Corporate Human. And so it's uh, it's out there, and I mentioned said skillfully to make it easier to find, but thank you so much for uh, for having me here today. It's been, it is freeing to just discuss these things. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you, and I will uh, look for the link, and I'll include it as we post. Uh, we'll stay in touch. You take good care. I am delighted now to welcome a caller all the way from Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, my LinkedIn connection, Mian. Mian, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you, Molly. Thank you. It's really an honor for me to be part of your show. I'm delighted that I'll be here in USA. Our states friend will hear me. Yes, my point I, of view from I, Pakistan. It, it's fantastic. I appreciate the you uh, recording this um, and that we're uh, all the way across the oceans here, having a chance to finally connect after many, 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 you know, LinkedIn comments and all, my friends. So it's really, really a delight for me. Uh, so, what scenario or situation is on your mind? How can I help you? Scenario is that. Uh, a meeting was going on in our organization and a manager, uh, a corporate manager was uh, intended to put the problem in front of the board regarding his particular department and an incident took place over there where caused the loss of production and the financial losses to the company. He wanted to clarify to the board that Actually, the issue was not the fault of that particular manager or his team, but it's technical fault in the machinery in his department. And he want to uh, uh, clarify the management and avoid the anger of the management because the CEO is angry over the losses caused to the company. So please help me that how that particular manager would be able to say it skillfully, to avoid the anger as well and to convey his message as well. This is a great scenario, Mian. Thank you for bringing it up, and I can relate to it. So for our listeners, what I'm hearing is you have a manager, um, and they're in a big meeting with more senior people, and um, the lead person is quite angry and disappointed at the lack of performance, and the manager just wants to clarify what really happened and not have blame unfairly placed on their department. Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. You have summarized very rightly. (laughs) Great. I appreciate that. I think the first thing is for the manager is I can be very intimidating and understandably. And so to be able to be at one with oneself. And I think it isn't about um, not um, creating accountability. I think this person obviously wants accountability, but the intention for the person is you just really want to help everyone appreciate the real situation 
And only with the real situation can the organization move forward, right? It doesn't help anybody, whether the CEO or senior management or within the organization, if we're, we don't have the right facts. Um, and I say that because I think it can be very intimidating. Um, and the sense of fear or worry, while I understand that, is not particularly useful in how they come across. So it is important to exhale the fears and the worries, inhale the positive intention of we're just really trying to create an accurate understanding of what's really going on. And that serves the organization. And it can be, I get it, they don't want to look like they're being blamed unfairly, which obviously is the case. At the same time, the higher level intention is really helping the organization. Okay, yeah. so I might, I might encourage a sense of real honesty and um, a sense of being a real team player. And so as for this person, I'll just model this. It might, be, it might sound like, uh, you know, Mr. CEO, I appreciate that you're very disappointed and other people may be very disappointed, as am I and my group, about this issue, whatever the issue is. I, I think on behalf of, of my team, I would like all of us to have an accurate understanding of really the issues because only then can we address them together. So a sense of we-ness. If they're worried, right? If they're worried about coming across as defensive, just say, I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to avoid my fair share of responsibility. That's not the case. However, I do think that there may be some misunderstanding. So if I may, I'd like to take folks through the situation as we understand it for why this issue happened. Pause, right? So you can kind of start to see you know, people's reaction. If you see an emotion coming up, you know, I see that people might be a bit agitated or angry. I hope I'm not creating that anger. Please know that I really just want us to all appreciate the, the actual situation that's happened because I think that's absolutely how we're going to move forward. And let me be clear, I am absolutely willing and, and accept fully our share of the responsibility in that. So I'll pause, Mian. How does that land for you? That's it. That's it. You really uh, comprehensively uh, explained the situation. And this is the way to move forward for the manager that to assure the uh, senior management that I'll let you know the, about the real scenario so that we would be able to reach the actual causes of the situation and we'll be able to make decisions. That's the way to move forward. Very good. That's fantastic. So let me ask you, how do you feel about coaching your colleagues on these kinds of situations? How could I help you help them? Yeah. Actually, it is the daily based scenario in our organization, in my organization as well, that we are uh, supposed to coach our colleagues, our junior managers regarding the situation. Uh, let me ask you that uh, uh, I'm supposed to coach my uh, junior manager about the handling of the situation to avoid the gap in the communication, to be clear as like seven C's of the communication that how he can opt the clarity in the communication, how he uh, of the correctness of the situation, how his communication would be 
got completeness how he can of the strategy of courtesy while communicating to others so opting the seven c's of communication in our daily communication and corporate communication how i can help my managers to get all these characteristics in this in their communication to be good communicator to get the results of communication would you please help me in this regard I appreciate your asking that. And I do think, as you mentioned, rightly, that the coaching capability is really something all of us want to have, whether you're anointed a leader or formally anyone's coach um, isn't the point. I think it is a great capability to have. I think the first thing is just understanding with an individual how open they are. And it sounds like your folks are, it's something that they're welcoming. I think if they're not welcoming it, I think talking about that is really important. And I've, I've had people come to me, well, so-and-so doesn't seem to want to have any input. And that might be one's experience of the person, but I think putting that on the table and asking um, and, putting, and making that a, a topic is, is really important. Most people that I know want to be better. They may be intimidated that the fact that coaching is needed might look negatively on them. And I would offer to all, and I just said it to someone earlier today, look at, we all can improve. All of us can benefit from coaching. It's a very normal thing. And I just think helping create the assuredness for someone that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, all of us um, have blind spots. All of us have opportunities to become more self-aware and it's very natural to, to ask for help and to get help. So I, I might set that up first just to make sure the person's open. And then I think as an ally, just say, hey, I'm here to help you be really successful. And nothing would make me happier than if you're really successful. We all see different things. Um, are you open to my sharing some of what I'm experiencing? And we can talk about um, how, you know, how you're coming across, how I might be perceiving it in ways that perhaps you can be even more effective. So you said there's kind of a, an option to ask here. Are you open to you know, talking about it? So you're giving the person a chance to say, yes, I am. I, I'd really like to hear as opposed to, well, you know, I saw this and you could do this and you could do that. You may very well be right, right? But it's just this, this conversational asking for permission and that person feeling that they're a peer, if you will, in the a relationship. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, sure. Sure. Actually, the bossy attitude will uh, cause more anger to the second person that he is commanding me that I saw you doing this and that will do that and this. You are very right. That will be open and be friendly with our colleagues while coaching to them. You are really great. (laughs) Thank you, Mian. One thing I'll share with folks, and they've heard it before, this notion, the energy or the meta skill of curiosity, genuinely being curious. So you might pull someone aside. Hey, you know, I'm I'm here to help you be your best. I'm curious. We just had this interaction. How do you think it went? Not judging. How do you think it went? You know, kind of implying you didn't think it went well, but how they think it went. Well, and and give them a chance to share and then ask, may I give you uh, some thoughts on what I observed or what I experienced. And I say those words explicitly because it's your experience, Mian. It's not necessarily a fact. It's just that how you perceive something is just that, how you perceived it. And it's information for that person to say, huh, maybe that isn't, maybe that isn't what I intended. And now it's information for me that whatever I did created Mian to think X, Y, or Z. 
Actually, let me uh, share with you a recent example, uh, which I uh, uh, went through uh, yesterday, that an old employee of our company was not marking attendance on the system on daily basis because he uh, shared that he was supposed to go somewhere else for activities outside the office. I called him to my office and have a cup of tea with him. And I assured you, I showed him that you are a senior employee and we have regard for you. Let's have discussion about why you are not um, marking attendance. I said to him that you are a most uh, senior employee of our company. We have deep regard with you. If you mark attendance, it will be symbolic to others that senior employees are marking attendance themselves. So we should also mark attendance timely so that company can maintain an environment of uh, discipline over there. With a friendly environment, with a sharing attitude, I got him convinced to mark attendance on daily basis. Bravo. I love that. And it is a real opportunity because you're pointing out for that person, you can really lead. Yeah. I think it's sense of ownership. Yeah. Yes, sense of ownership. And it's very empowering. I think sometimes people get very hung up on whether you have a leader title or not. And I would really offer to folks, first, lead yourself. And by example and what you do, you lead others, whether that happens to be in your title or not. And I think the folks who embrace that um, and realize that that's a real privilege for them to have are the kinds of leaders that people choose to follow, right? We want to be the leader that people choose to follow, not that they have to follow us, right? <laughs> right. And I, I appreciate how you approach that. That was really skillful. Nice job. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, the communication is the best way to create relationships. So if we say it skillfully, we can have friends. If we don't use the say it skillfully technique and be harsh to others, we'll be alone in our workplaces, in our house, in our community and everywhere. Yeah, I really agree with you. Uh, my friend, it's been such a delight to have you on the show. I'll close by, by asking you from our little conversation here. Do you have a top takeaway? Yeah, yeah. What would that be? I'll say that the approach of say it skillfully, I'll uh, use this approach in my office, in my even house with my family, with my wife, because the say it skillfully approach have such a great fruit to reap in daily lives. So by triggering this approach, I'm really thankful to you, Molly, that you have introduced such a nice approach to people to opt it in their offices, in their corporate environment, even in their daily lives and community life, and will be friends along us by opting this approach. Yeah, I appreciate you. You know how to reach me. I'm here for you. Um, I'm really delighted that you made time to join me. And most of all, Mian, I really appreciate you for being part of the solution. You take good care. Now, I have a question to wrap up with from a LinkedIn connection, Amira. In this work from home period, I've been asked to lead a team of people recently pulled together. We have no history. I'm keen for ways to know my people better and at the same time push them to know how to rely on themselves to solve everyday problems. 
And this is a, a, a great scenario. I want to um, share that it's probably similar to folks who are stepping in perhaps to lead a team that you haven't before. And this is, by the way, fantastic to have this growth opportunity. So I appreciate for folks when you don't know people well, um, our security blanket has been seeing them face to face, right? That's just how we establish our relationships, right? And so that is not coming back in spades very soon. So our online exist, uh, existence uh, is, is really the way to go. And while we might bum out about that a little bit, I just want to offer for folks, hey, this is the reality and we can make it work. We can make even better relationships virtually. So give yourself the benefit of the doubt that because you haven't, can't see them person, um, in face doesn't mean you're not going to have a fantastic relationship. So here's my advice around communicating these team members, how to get to know them. Um, and as it's not surprising, it is about how you show up. It, I understand that you might be a little bit anxious if it's a new team. There's probably a lot of pressure on tasks that have to get done. It is really key that as the leader that you're showing up in a way that is, is some way that you'd find inspiring. And whatever that is for you, understanding what you value as a leader, what people can expect from you, how you're going to be consistent for them. Having that articulated is the work that any individual needs to do before you have uh, the privilege really of leading others. As you get to a situation, you set up a meeting, I think the transparency of a situation is first and foremost. And remember, every word you're saying and how you're saying it is an example and a role model for your people. You might be anxious about the fact that it's a new team. I don't know who you are. That's okay. You can kind of have anxiety without coming across as anxious. So it might just say, team, you know, we're setting up this time. I'm, uh, you know, I wish I could meet with you one-on-one. Frankly, I'm a little uncomfortable because I haven't been introduced to a new team virtually, but I know that we're going to be able to form great connections, strong connections, and be here for each other. The, uh, the, the message that the boss uh, manager really does value the people first is, I think the number one thing that you can do to start to create an environment of trust. And there is nothing that, that does that more than by actually demonstrating that you value people by investing time for the team to get to know themselves for who they are as people. So rather than, okay, I'm the new boss and here's all the stuff we have to do, which I get is absolutely something that needs to happen, to spend an hour, to spend half an hour and give folks the chance to be able to share a bit about themselves and, and to offer that you're here to create safe space. We're here to support each other. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to learn, normalize some of the things that, that might be um, um, issues that people are a bit anxious about and just create space for people to be who they are. And, and thank people when people say something that might be a struggle that they had or a weakness that they had, honor that, applaud that because that's how you're reinforcing for them the kind of behaviors. Um, obviously, then, the clarity of expectations and tasks and a chance for the team to chime in, hey, how can we be best together to co-create your norms is really uh, an opportunity for folks to appreciate, you know, this isn't top-down. We're not here just to kind of do X, Y, or Z. We're here to create an environment that we're going to thrive and, by the way, to get our work done. So I offer those as, you know, just to give yourself a little permission to not jump into the task, to create some of the norms together to buy into that, 
And to create that as a leader, I want to hear the tough stuff and the bad news and tell people like, this is the deal. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. Part of how I'm going to grow is only by you folks letting me know. And if we can create mistakes as learning moments, again, quoting my, one of my inspirations, Gary Ridge, who heads up the WD-40 company, that's something that right out of the gate is going to be a very different experience for your team. And that chance of uh, being there for each other, I mean, that's what people really, really, really want to be a part of. So, Amira, I hope that's helpful, and you can loop back with me if we want to talk more about it. My thought for the week, taking a few lines from Snadam Kar, who's a Grammy-nominated American singer, songwriter, and author. Um, and her song is called Long Time Sun. May the long time sun shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure light within you guide your way on. This is my wish for you. And I thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap. Please be part of the solution and kindly share the show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 